When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. I was met with silence and slowly began to feel that sinking feeling of something is wrong crawl up my spine. I should have just conquered my anxiety about driving and met him somewhere public. Or better yet, not met with this guy at all. I'm going to get murdered here in these woods. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Magic Mind for supporting Disturbed. Magic Mind is the world's first productivity drink that helps you fight off stress and keeps you dialed in, not wired. Go to magicmind.com disturbed and use code disturbed at checkout for 20% off. And thanks to Coinbase for their support. Cryptocurrency might feel like a secret or exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone everywhere should be able to get in the door. Whether you've been trading for years or just getting started, Coinbase can help. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com partner disturbed. Welcome back in everyone and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you two true horrifying tales, a listener's story, and a Disturbing Calls bonus episode teaser that will certainly keep you on edge. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user TypicalSuckatash41, featuring voice work by Januta Marie, and we prepare for a home invasion. This incident happened about five years ago. This is a story that I never really tell anyone because most people are either uncomfortable hearing it or make well-meaning comments about what I should have done in this situation without really understanding how differently your mind works when you're experiencing absolute panic. But you guys seem to get it. So here's my story. I was living in a relatively nice apartment in downtown Memphis working as an ophthalmic technician. I arrived home from work at my usual time, around 4.30 p.m., unlocked my door and went inside. I set my phone, wallet, and keys on the kitchen island, hearing my heavy metal front door swing shut loudly behind me and began taking care of some errands around the house. Having grown up in a small town, it was habit for me to not lock my door during the day especially when I knew my husband would be home soon anyway. I've never forgotten to lock my door once in the five years since this day. 
I walked through my bathroom and into my large walk-in closet and began hanging up the laundry that I'd started earlier in the day before work. My front door opened and I smiled with surprise. My husband was home a little early and I happily called out to him, I'm here, love! I was met with silence and slowly began to feel that sinking feeling of something is wrong crawl up my spine. I tried to shake it off, thinking my husband simply hadn't heard me and walked out into my living room slash kitchen area. Standing on the other side of my kitchen island was a complete stranger. He was male, older than me. I would estimate 50s, but it's hard for me to recall exact facial features or details from this moment and was just standing there staring at me. No ski mask, no weapon, just watching me. I wondered if he'd maybe walked into the wrong apartment and was going to apologize and leave, but as he continued to stare, I realized I needed to do something other than just gape at this stranger in my house. I stood taller, puffed up my chest in an attempt to look more threatening, which is hard to do as a small female, and used a loud, clear voice telling him to get out of my apartment, that he had no business being here. He completely ignored me like I hadn't spoken. Then he began to pick up my things, my cell phone, my keys, my wallet. He picked them up methodically and put them into his own pockets. That's when it truly hit me that this person was dangerous. I was naive enough to believe this was all a mistake until that moment. I darted forward toward the only other device I had that would allow me to get help, my computer. I had to take a few steps closer to the intruder in order to reach it, but still had about 12 to 15 feet between us, so I knew I could grab it and run before he could reach me. As I picked it up and turned to run, I saw him start to move after me and I sprinted back toward the bathroom because it was the only place I could go and put two locked doors between us, my bathroom door and the closest door. I slammed and locked the first door, and within seconds, I could hear him trying to mess with it, trying to open it. I ran into the closet and locked that door too, opening my computer and getting on Facebook Messenger to contact my husband. I sent message after message, pleading with him to call 911 and tell them there was an intruder in the apartment. He got the messages within minutes and assured me that he had a dispatcher on the phone and was leaving work himself to try and get to me if he could. I waited and waited. The bathroom door opened and the intruder came inside. He moved to the closet door and started trying to break that door down too. Here's the part where people usually start giving me advice on how I should have acted, but all I can tell you is that I was frozen. With fear, with shock, I don't know. But I didn't scream or cry or search for a weapon in that dark closet. I didn't brace the door or try to hold it closed. I just kneeled in my closet and waited to die because I just knew that's what was going to happen. People like to tell me that I lived in an apartment. Surely if I'd screamed, someone would have heard and come to help? Surely there was something heavy enough in my closet to use to defend myself. Hell, even the laptop I had would hurt if I swung it at someone. Why didn't I do anything? I don't really have an answer for that. But the closet door miraculously held. I heard frustrated footsteps go back out into the living area of my apartment. I heard things breaking, bottles shattering, my drawers and refrigerator and cabinets being flung open as things were torn out of them. I continued to sit in that closet, silently crying, wanting to leave but feeling that death was inevitable. I felt awful about my selfishness at that moment, 
but I messaged my mom, who lived a 15 hours drive away, and told her what was happening. I desperately wanted comfort and to tell her how much I love her. I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine the fear and helplessness I put her through knowing her daughter was in danger and there was nothing she could do to help. She messaged me constantly, begging me to keep replying. I told her I would as long as I could, but I also told her to tell my brothers I loved them. To help my husband through whatever happens next if it ended badly for me. The intruder started messing with the closet door again, mumbling disjointed words that I couldn't really distinguish. I remember hoping that the police would get to the apartment before my husband, that he wouldn't be the one to find me in whatever state this invader left me in. The front door opened again, and it was my husband shouting for me. The intruder walked out toward the living room slash kitchen area again, where my front door was located, and I opened the door and darted from the closet to find my husband on the ground with him, pinning him in place. The man kept mumbling, at times yelling, but never really put up much resistance. This entire part is a blur for me. I remember feeling like the room was spinning, filled with fear mostly for my husband at this point. Eventually, the police found the apartment. It took them about 25 minutes to arrive, which still blows my mind. I know time seems to move slowly during scary situations, so I thought it was less than that. But from the time my husband dialed 911 to the time officers arrived, it was 25 excruciating minutes. This isn't intended to bash them in any way. It just always seemed like this was an unusually long response time for a home invasion. They got my things back from the man and took him out of my apartment. I numbly went through the process of filing a police report, telling them what happened. One of the officers commented that I should really keep my door locked at all times. I remember feeling like he was being insensitive at the time or blaming me for what happened, but later recognized his words were coming from experience. I'm sure he's seen this situation and differently for other women. Within 30 minutes, the scariest incident of my life was over, but I've carried the fear, the violation, the anxiety of having someone intrude into my space for years. If it happened to me once, it could happen again. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Please consider continuing because this isn't all doom and gloom. If this or something similar has happened to you and you're still struggling with the aftermath of it, the sleepless nights, the lying awake listening for sounds of forced entry, the nightmares, the constant checking and rechecking your locks, this is what eventually helped me. A year after this took place, my husband and I moved to the Midwest for his job. We selected a safe town with a nice apartment complex and chose a third floor apartment with only one point of entry. I looked up every statistic on crime for the neighborhood, finding that an isolated incidence of car theft was the only thing reported in decades. I still couldn't sleep at night. It was definitely better than staying in the same apartment in Memphis, but my husband often works night shifts now and I simply couldn't continue being terrified to sleep at night. I realized my biggest fear wasn't that something could happen again, but that if it did, I was just as unprepared now as I was then. I hadn't changed anything other than locking my door, and I knew I would likely freeze up again and leave my life up to being able to hide well enough or having a door hold long enough to save me, and that was unacceptable. I walked into a martial arts school with an excellent self-defense program, introduced myself, and started taking classes. At first, I was quiet, hiding in the back of the room and generally keeping to myself. My instructor, who is both incredibly kind and incredibly insightful, 
slowly built up my confidence and brought me out of my bubble of fear. After several months of training, I finally shared my reasons for taking classes with him and he's worked with me tirelessly to give me the ability to protect myself in any environment. I've been training for years now and the difference it has made in every aspect of my life is unbelievable. The meek, quiet girl that waited to die in her closet doesn't exist. I am confident, I am strong, I am worthy of living and protecting myself in my home. I no longer am ashamed of how I handled the situation I was in, but I also understand what steps I can take to ensure that I'm safe. It wasn't easy and it didn't happen overnight, but it was worth it. I recognize this might not be a solution or option for everyone. Your experience is valid and however you decide to cope with your own story is the right choice for you. This is how I happen to do it and it's worked well for me. Thank you again for listening. I'm a little afraid to share this because I'm not sure how people will respond, but maybe doing so will help someone else that's feeling alone with this. If anyone is struggling with their own story and wants a kind ear to listen, I'm here. Stay safe out there. Chad, my name is Brittany. I'm a FedEx driver here in Oklahoma. I am a true lover of all things dark, scary, and disturbing. I spend a lot of my time on the road and listening to your podcast really helps the time and the miles fly by. So thank you for that and keep it up. Are you listening alone? Rather brave of you. Disturbed is brought to you by Magic Mind, and this to me is a true hidden gem. It's the world's first productivity drink that helps you fight off stress and keeps you dialed in, not wired. So I've recently added Magic Mind to my morning routine, and I have to say I'm so glad that I did. I've noticed a big bump in productivity and mental clarity, and this is huge for me. In the past, I would usually reach for an energy drink when I needed an extra boost to get through the day, and occasionally I still do. But since I've added Magic Mind to my morning routine, I found that I really have no need to get another boost. The part that I love is I feel so much more mentally sharp and dialed in. I can get laser focused on a certain task and get it done with ease and that's thanks to Magic Mind. They've also been featured in Forbes and were called Silicon Valley's new morning elixir. Like I said, I take it in the morning just as a quick shot and I do it because I know it's going to help me lock in for the rest of the day. It eliminates that brain fog and procrastination so I can get done what I need to. If you're someone who finds themselves reaching for a little extra something to get through the day, I highly recommend you give Magic Mind a try. You really have nothing to lose and it just might change your whole perspective on mental clarity like it did for me. There's zero risk, and with their money-back guarantee, any first purchase will be refunded, no questions asked, if it doesn't meet your expectations. Go to magicmind.com disturbed and use code disturbed at checkout for 20% off. And make sure you use our special code to get yourself the best deal and help support us in the process. We're also brought to you by Coinbase. Are you crypto curious? If you've thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency but felt a little overwhelmed, First of all, I definitely feel you. 
But secondly, there's no need to worry because Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell super simple. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. And in my personal experience, Coinbase is 1000% the way to go. I've used and tried other trading platforms for crypto and none of them come close to how easy and user-friendly Coinbase is. If you're looking to just dip your toes in and maybe learn a little bit more about how crypto trading works, I promise you Coinbase absolutely needs to be your first and only destination. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a phenomenal mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place, right from your phone. And they support the most popular digital currencies on the market, making them available to everyone. I do all my crypto buying, selling, and trading on Coinbase, and I knew almost nothing about crypto when I first started, but Coinbase made me totally comfortable with the whole process. The interface and user experience will make you never want to look elsewhere for your crypto needs. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com partner disturbed. Sign up at coinbase.com partner disturbed for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash partner slash disturbed. Something is creeping in. Don't follow it down. Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Now back to the deliciously frightful... Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Up next, we check in with Reddit user Zazzy Goose, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby, and we get taken in the wrong direction. We all make dumb decisions in life, but in this case, I was stupid. Very stupid. I arranged to meet a guy off Tinder, but because of my heightened anxiety about driving, I arranged for him to pick me up outside my place. I had been talking to him for a few weeks at least, but that is not redeemable, and I know that. The choice I made on this day could have ended me, but thankfully I'm still around to tell the tale. The guy picked me up in his car and told me he planned to take us out for sushi. I love sushi, so I thought, great. He put in the name of the restaurant into his GPS and we were off, making pleasant conversation on the way there until I started seeing woods when I looked out my window. I felt very confused. We were supposed to be going into town, not into the wilderness in the middle of nowhere. 
Fear hit me hard then. He said, I swear the GPS is taking me through here. I didn't choose this path. Please just get us back to civilization, I said. My eyes were wide, and I must have looked like a deer in headlights. His face was really apprehensive, so he must have known that I was scared completely shitless. Oh my god, I thought to myself. I should have just conquered my anxiety about driving and met him somewhere public. Or better yet, not met with this guy at all. WTF was I thinking? I'm going to get murdered here in these woods. I tried checking my phone to see if I could assist him with the GPS, and that's when he said those spine-chilling words. There's no signal out here. I remember just thinking to myself to try to look calm. Don't let him think you suspect he's onto something. But man, did I feel terrified. The tips of my fingers were cold while I was simultaneously sweating. If he was going to kill me, part of me wanted him to get it over with so I wouldn't be left in anticipation. His forehead was perspiring. He kept saying, I swear I'm not doing this. I'm trying to get us back en route to the sushi place. I said, I don't care about sushi anymore. Get us to a gas station, anywhere with people at this point. He said, I don't have a shovel or weapon in my trunk or anything, if that's what you're thinking. Which did little to calm my nerves. We finally reached the restaurant after what felt like an eternity. I'd never been so scared in my life. I didn't have much of an appetite and I was physically trembling when we arrived. But I figured he didn't kill me when he had the chance. So I guess it was safe now to continue with our date. I already planned on taking an Uber home because I didn't want to go through that experience again. I was shocked out of my mind when he then asked, So when do you think we'll have sex? I nearly choked on a piece of sashimi. What? I didn't know where this was coming from, and I didn't know how he could ask me something like this now on a first date, when he literally saw me pale as a ghost just moments ago. You know, like how long will you make me wait for sex? A day? A week? A month? I stared at him, dumbfounded. I couldn't respond because I was utterly speechless in that moment. Well, I can't wait a whole month, I'm telling you now, he said. I didn't say anything, and the rest of the date was insanely awkward. I said goodbye as I took my Uber home, and only seconds after my driver pulled out of the restaurant parking lot, he texted me to say that he doesn't think it will work out with me because he needs a girl with a higher libido. I didn't argue. I just texted back a simple, okay ready to be done with this man. When the Uber driver drove me home, he did not take me through the wilderness pathway of a potential murder site. He took me home through streets, other cars, lights, the sweetest scene to my immense relief. I couldn't help but wonder why my date had to take me through an hour drive through the wilderness to get to the restaurant, but it only took the Uber driver 15 minutes to get me home from the same location. The whole thing was chilling. I don't know if my date planned on anything sinister, or if it was an honest mistake, but I am glad I made it out alive. I learned a tough lesson that night, one that I should have already known, but that I foolishly ignored for some reason. Don't let strangers from a dating app pick you up in their cars. To the guy who took me through the woods, let's not meet again. Do you have your own terrifying encounter? Did something unexplained happen to you? Let us know and get featured on the podcast.
Email mystory@disturbedpodcast.com. Now let's hear from one of our listeners straight off the hotline at disturbedpodcast.com slash hotline, free and available to all listeners. So Glenn, take it away. Hey guys, I'd like to start by saying thanks for every week. The uh, stories are great, love listening. Figured I'd tell my kind of only spooky story I got. I live up in very, very rural Montana, kind of middle of nowhere. People really don't understand when I tell them how rural it is, but between the two bigger towns in our area is about an hour drive. Both the towns have about a thousand people. One of the towns has a stoplight, the other one just has a blinking light for a stoplight. And then, yeah, our closest Walmart is two hours away. It's kind of hard for people to understand. But anyways, it's got kind of something to do with this story. So we live in the middle of nowhere. It's not much to do for high school kids. One night when I was like 16 or so, me and a buddy were out driving some back roads. It's out in the middle of nowhere, just seeing what we could see, nothing really to do. And we come across a two-track trail in the middle of nowhere that neither of us had really ever seen. Obviously, there's not much to do, so we do a lot of driving around the area and checking things out. And uh, this is one that we hadn't really come across. We were out deeper than we usually go. So we got on the trail. And it goes for about two miles up and down a couple little hills. And we come around a corner and there's this two-story abandoned house. Like, it looked like from the 1800s to 1900s. Just old, not very wide, and then fairly tall, two stories. So, anyways, we had flashlights along. We decided we were going to explore it. So we get out, step out of the pickup, and I uh, turn on my flashlight, shine on the lower level, and then I shine it up to the window up on the attic part, the upstairs, and instantly it feels like ice cubes just went down my back. And it felt like someone was standing right next to me, like uncomfortably close, just staring at the side of my face. And it's something I can't really describe. That's as close as I can get to it, but it just felt like someone was there and they didn't like that I was there too. So I shot my flashlight over my friend and looked at him and he, I could just tell was like, he was stiff and he was straight. He was just you could tell that he was uncomfortable too. I said, we should probably get out of here. And he said, yeah. And we hopped in the pickup. He fired up. We spun around and we took off out of there. And for the next 10 minutes, it felt like somebody was sitting right behind us in the backseat, just staring at us. We drove for about a mile and a half before I finally said something. And my friend agreed. He said, yeah, definitely feels like someone's right there. So I flipped on the lights in the cab. We kept the lights on the cab for always until it finally just out of nowhere the feeling just left it was just like a feeling lifted like a pressure lifted and we drove all the way back to town called it a night kind of freaked both of us out well a couple years later we uh i ended up working for the farmer that owned that land that that house was on then i was out farming the field next to it i was uh planting and he came out when I got done for the day and I asked him about the place and kind of told him the story. He said, this place kind of freaked me out when I was a kid. He said, well, it should have. It's uh, supposed to be haunted. And he went on to explain that way back in the day, there was a family that lived there. It was a man, his wife, and two kids. And he had been going to town to work, riding in, getting up early, riding all the way into town, working at the hardware store, and then riding all the way back home at night. 
Well, at some point, while he was working in town, the uh, wife uh, picked up an affair with the neighbor. And he came home early one day, middle of the day, and uh, found them together. And he shot both of them, killed them both, and then killed both of his kids, and then went upstairs in the attic of the place and hung himself. And supposedly it was haunted. And the uh, farmer that I worked for said that he had a very similar experience to what I had when he was a kid. He said the same thing. They were out goofing around at night and showing some flashlights on the place. They were going to go walk around it to um, uh, freak out some of their friends because they had heard the story. And he said as soon as they shone a light on the place, they just knew they had to get out of there. Same thing, they took off. And so I asked him why, how come he hasn't torn it down yet or why haven't we torn it down yet? And he said because every time they... Uh, try to do it they'd bring a tractor over to knock it down or whatever something would go wrong a hydraulic hose would blow or starter would go out on something and he said every time they tried it just never worked out so they just decided to leave it and hope it falls in on itself one day so anyways that's the story hope uh, you guys enjoyed it keep up the good work can't wait till next week are you loving the show Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. This week, we're going to close out the show with a little treat for the listeners. A free preview of our most recent bonus episode of Disturbing Calls. Stay tuned after the preview to learn how to get your exclusive access to these monthly bonus episodes. And without further delay, a preview of Disturbing Calls 17. November 2016. Jason and Mercedes Robb had two children together before they filed for divorce. Jason went on to remarry and have another child. His relationship with Mercedes went downhill fast over a heated custody battle. Jason claimed that Mercedes' mental health was on the decline and wanted full custody. Then on a day when Jason arrived to pick the kids up, Mercedes confronted him with a pistol and shot him twice. She then dialed 911. Dispatch, Andrew. Hello. Hi, I just shot my ex-husband. Can somebody please come out here, please? What's your address? 3112 Oregonia Road. 3112 Oregonia Road? Mm-hmm. My kids are sleeping. Can somebody please come out? And what, what, what exactly happened? I shot him. Okay, was this accidental or on purpose? On purpose. He was hurt my kid. And this was your husband? Please hurry. How long ago did you do this? I just did it. Oh, Is he still breathing? No. Do you want to attend CPR? No. Okay. No, he was Okay, ma'am, I understand that. But at any point in time, we, you know, if you want to attend CPR, let me know. We'll go through this, okay? No, I don't want to use And my kids are sleeping. Okay, I understand that, ma'am. Stay on the phone with me, okay? Yeah. Okay, and do you still have that weapon? Yeah, I thought it right here, but I'm guilty, I did it. I understand that, ma'am. Where did you shoot him at? What part of the body? I don't know. I just shot a couple times. I don't know. Which you, you said twice in the chest? I don't know how many times. <clears throat> Oh, You're not thinking about harming anybody else, are you? No, 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 no. 
During her trial, Mercedes attempted to plead not guilty by reason of insanity, but that would ultimately fail as the prosecutor proved she knew what she was doing when she killed Jason. She would go on to plead guilty and was sentenced to 25 years to life. That was just a taste of our Disturbing Call series, available only to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level and higher. So to get your access, head over to patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast and join today. You'll not only get bonus episodes, but 24-hour early episode releases, as well as 100% ad-free episodes. Submit your true experience to the show in writing or through our hotline, all at disturbedpodcast.com. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And let's shout out our newest supporters, Amy Huber, Logan, Michelle Peterson, Macy Nelson, and Stephanie Eloise. Thanks so much for supporting the show. Music by Carl Casey at WhiteBatAudio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.